Jamie broke up with me on Instagram. So I said, Excuse me! She's pro wrestling's queen of mean. But behind the scenes, she's got a heart of gold and a lifetime of experiences. From no-holds-barred tales of her relationships and rivalries to conversations with A-list superstars, the real Vicky Guerrero is ready to talk. Welcome to Excuse Me, the Vicky Guerrero Show. Excuse me! Excuse me, and hello again, everyone. My name is Jerry Strauss. I'm not Vicky Guerrero. I am her trusty producer, occasional co-host, and I'm here filling in this week just to get us started. Vicky's on the road. She's got lots of exciting things going on, now a part of All Elite Wrestling, and uh, I'm happy to be here and talk to you guys. And of course, hey, let's fit in a cheap plug. Uh, I've also got my own podcast going on. You perhaps like to go check it out. And it features Vicky now. So it's a perfect crossover. Uh, the show is called The Laugh Track with Jerry Strauss. We are available on all podcast platforms. You can find us on all social media. We talk to your favorite stars from TV's funniest shows. So we've got stars of The Office, Friends, Seinfeld, uh, you name it, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and and the list just goes on and on. This week we've got a major exclusive, a conversation with the entire cast of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. right after the series finale, after seven seasons, we are helping them bring the house down. So exciting stuff. Vicky has joined the show. She is doing a segment every week called the Catchphrase of the Week, one of your favorite sitcom catchphrases of all time. She's going to bust it out in traditional Vicky style. So yeah, get your earplugs. And then it's going to be on you guys to identify where that catchphrase is from, who says it, and you can email us at laughtrackpod at outlook.com. So that's my cheap plug. But as for here, the now, the today, excuse me, we're giving you something special. This is going to be part one of two, this interview, this conversation really, so big that we couldn't just fit it in one week. A conversation between Vicky Guerrero and her own daughter, Shaw. Uh, what a journey this young woman has been through, of course, growing up Guerrero, being a part of that family, being the daughter of Eddie, being the daughter, of course, of Vicky, and then transitioning herself into not only the wrestling world uh, with time in WWE developmental etc etc also the music and dance world and all the struggles and the challenges that she has faced not only as a kid not only as a teenager but into her adult life how she's been able to fight through it come through on the other side and they're going to break it all down all the dirty details of growing up Guerrero it's going down here this week part one it's Shawl it's Vicky it's the Guerreros a heart-to-heart between mother and daughter right here on excuse me Hey everyone, it's Vicky Guerrero, and today I have the most special guest ever on my show. And um, I, I'm so excited to share her with all of you. Welcome my daughter, uh, former AEW uh, ring announcer and WWE uh, superstar, my daughter, Shaw Guerrero. Hey. Hello. Hi. <laughs> I love that you introduced me as like the most special person because like you're so my mom because you're <laughs> and you're my kid that I pushed out for hours and hours. <laughs> yeah. I, I wasn't kind to you, mom. <laughs> That's right. I still love you. <laughs> Thanks. 
being on my show. This is uh, such a cool um, day for me because um, you're, well, aside from, from your husband, Matt Raywald, I mean, I have my family on here. So this is really special for me. Thank you for taking the time out to being on my show. I feel so honored that you asked me. Um, and the fact that we've been able to like work together with AEW has been really crazy because me and you have been dreaming about this ever since. I was like, um, mom, I want to wrestle. <laughs> and you were like, for, hell no, hell no. Like, I really want this kid. And so, but no, we've been, we've been talking about this for years, being able to be on the same brand and be able to, you know, work together in some capacity. So this is exciting. Yeah, we're going to touch on that a little bit, but first, let's just fill everybody in on um, our dynamics. Uh, we come from the Guerrero family. Uh, Eddie Guerrero was Shaw's dad, and he passed away in 2005. I was married to Eddie. In case there's some fan or follower doesn't know who I am, thank you for being on my show, but uh, <laughs> we're, we're going to fill you in here. Um, my daughter, Shaw, theater and performance started with you when you were way, way young. I yeah. mean, when you were in diapers, you, you always performed for the family and friends that came over to the house. Tell a little bit on that. <laughs> well, yeah, like I remembered, and it's like, I guess now as an adult, I kind of look back and I laugh on those things. But yeah, like me and Sherilyn, um, my sister, um, once again, um, Eddie's daughter, your daughter, mom, <laughs> Uh, we would put on shows for people when they would come over and like, and we would do lighting and I would do like our makeup and bless you and dad. Like you guys bought us whatever costumes we wanted and we would do like performances in the living room and we would, God bless y'all. We made you sit there for hours. Like, okay, maybe not hours, but like, it would be like more than an hour that you guys would be really patient and like, well, now this song, now this song. And then, but as I got older, I remember I started bossing Sherilyn around because I kind of wanted to be like her producer in a way. Like I wanted to like run the whole show and Sherilyn hated me because I was like, you're not doing it. Like you're not doing it right. Or like, you're not putting a hundred percent. And she Y'all used to get into fights so I bad. I know, I know. Oh, poor Sherilyn. I had to put y'all in timeout sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, so performing has been in, um, in, in the gene pool. For yeah. Um, let's just say you have a little bit of OCD because you would do Sherilyn's makeup. You would do yours. If the wardrobe was not quite right, Sherilyn was so livid with you that she didn't even want to own you as a sister anymore for that day. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I was hard on her too. And I was just like, I don't know. If she wasn't singing hard, hard enough, if she wasn't dancing hard enough, I was like, I don't want to perform with you. <laughs> God bless her. Um, she put up with a lot from me, but I'm still like that. I'm still like that in my performance, whether it's wrestling, dancing, stunt work, whatever I'm doing, I am hyper perfectionist and it's great, but it's also a curse because you can't ever just enjoy it. Yeah, um, the one one thing I want to share with our fans is that um, there was this your favorite movie when you were little was Snow White, and oh, no. dad had, dad had bought you this Snow White dress and used to listen to the movie and watch it like over and over each day like that was the only movie for a time period that you'd watch it and uh, dad's best friend Booty would come over. And you made him just sit there and you would animate the whole movie word for word expression. I mean, you even did the, <gasps> even when Snow White was like <laughs> in trouble and there was 
<coughs> excuse me, there was holes and your dress was shredding up so bad. <laughs> I remember, and I remember, like, when Snow White is in the dark forest and she's all scared and whatnot, like, I would turn off all the lights in the hallway and I would pretend I would be running down the forest and I'd be like, whoa, whoa, oh, God, yeah, and then do you remember, Mom, like, I would, I was also obsessed with Pocahontas and I, you had her costume for me and I would literally just go in the backyard, climb on top of uh, our dog Cassie's um, like doghouse, and I would just stand there with my hair blowing in the wind, <laughs> just like <laughs> regal as fuck, and just be like, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know. I I loved using my imagination as a child. <laughs> and, you know, back in those days, you know, Dad was drinking, and you know, they would come over, and as long Goody would tell Dad, if there's beer in the fridge, I will sit there and watch Shaw as long as you need me to. Oh, and God. so. <laughs> Thudy would just drink and drink and drink until like four or five hours. And then we're like, all right, you have to stop this now. I need to turn it off. And you'd be so mad. I mean, you could go on, you could perform for days at a time. It's still like that, mom. Like maybe not to that. And I'm, I'm hoping my performance has gotten better um, from, from my top <laughs> years. But um, no, it's still like that. Where like, I will drop everything to perform. Like if, if someone offers me, like I've tried multiple times to have like, I guess more mainstreaming jobs, you know what I mean? Like I did the vet tech thing. Um, I've worked in retail. I, I'm a bartender. I do like all this stuff, but like the moment someone says, Hey, do you want to perform? Yes. Yes. I will, I will do whatever. But, yeah. but for sure. That is so like that. funny. <laughs> okay. So let's fill in the fans on your career. You were in FCW in Tampa, Florida. That's when WWE had their school. There mm -hmm. wasn't, Explain a little bit of what FCW was back in the day and how you were uh, part of that organization. For sure. So um, I will always forever hold FCW in my heart uh, because that it's basically what NXT is now, but not nearly. I mean, NXT has just grown so, so, so much. And I was in the first class of NXT, which everyone is very familiar with now with NXT's um, like show and like the fact that they're on USA now, which is amazing. And like all of that, but FCW, we were on a little, um, we we're on bright house networks in Florida. And like, I, I don't even know how many viewers we had, but, uh, we trained in a warehouse. Uh, so when it was cold, it was fucking cold. And when it was hot, it was unbearable. And like, it was just like, but I loved it because it was, I know I didn't come from the indie scene. I got hired at 19 and, you know, I, I never wrestled before. And so that was kind of like, I guess in my way, paying my dues because I did get an opportunity because I was your daughter, because I was Eddie's daughter right out the gate. So I fully understand that I had that privilege and whatnot, but um, yeah, like FCW was so much fun. We got to work with Dusty, um, Dusty Rose at, um, forever will be so close to my heart because he was one of the very few people that fully believed in me and fully told me every single day you you're a star baby you're a star and so like <laughs> he would tell me all the time and I will forever with however my experience was with WWE FCW which would if we'll there's positive yeah. there's positive and negatives definitely associated with it but the big positive I took away from FCW was that I 
realize my potential as a performer, which I didn't know I really had before I even walked in there. So a lot of growing up in there for sure. But I got to work with Norman Smiley and I got to work with Joey Mercury and I got to work with Dr. Tom. Oh, just the best, the best people. And so forever will love FCW. It was a lot of hard work. A yeah. lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so as far as, um, you know, you, you, you gained a lot of talents working, starting that job because you were not only uh, a, a superstar, but you were a valet, you were a commentator, you're a ring announcer. Um, I never knew you had it in you when you were a kid to be all those things because, you know, I wonder like what would dad would think if he was, you know, alive back then wondering like would he have welcomed you into this industry because he's very protective even when we worked with the with Ray Mysterio on the Dominic storyline dad was like okay there's five weeks this is when my girls are going to be here and then that's it then the storyline's over I mean because there was school and y'all were kids and I think he really wanted to protect you from just all the outside elements of what you know with the wrestling industry because y'all were kids um What's your thoughts about how you think dad would be, you know, sitting here talking with us right now? I honestly, like this question keeps me up at night sometimes. Um, (laughs) I I, I don't want to know what he's thinking about some of the things you did. (laughs) I mean, okay. So I guess talking from, I guess looking back from when I was a little girl, even back to the Dominic and Ray storyline, you know, like I know you and dad always wanted the best for us and you guys wanted to just be, give us better things and make sure that we had the most rounded out childhood that we could possibly have. And that was on top of, God, you dealing with his drug addiction and, you know, you going through all of your personal uh, like health issues and you, you guys were dealing with a lot. You know, um, and I fully believe that you guys did the very best and gave us like a wonderful childhood. And, but I guess like, I remember when I was 15, I asked dad when we were living in the apartment complex, you and dad just renewed your vows. We were all together again. And I remember I came up to him in the little makeshift gym you made him in the apartment. And, um, and I was like, dad, I want to wrestle. And he was like, no, you don't. And I was like, (laughs) yeah, dad, like, I want to learn. I want to learn. Because I would always watch dad, and I would always watch the demons. And I always loved those things and, and whatnot. And so when um, I actually was legit serious with him, he was like, oh, oh, okay. He was like, well, I don't know about wrestling, but I'll teach you how to bump. And I was like, okay. And then literally, after that, after we had that conversation, I remember I started kind of like working out, but like not really. He, I was still growing. I was only 15. So he was just really cautious with me. But then I think it was like two months later, he passed away. And so we never really got to build on that. And I think dad, I don't know, mom, like this kind of goes with like, sorry, this this is kind of hard with like how I feel dad might feel about me being in the industry. I want to say he would be proud, but then I feel like there was so much pressure put on me when I was at FCW to be as good as you and as good as dad. And that was a lot. Yeah. It was a lot on me. And like the fact that I had to earn my name that I already had, I understood where they were coming from. Like, yeah, we don't want to call you by your name because if you suck, we don't want you to be a disappointment. And like to your family. I never understood that. Like, what the hell was that? You know, 
it was just a lot. And I, I remember that happened to me like two months in and I was like, holy shit. And I was already like, you never put pressure on me. Like, I don't think the family meant to put pressure on me, but like there was pressure put on me about my body, how it looked, how I needed to look more quote unquote feminine. Basically I needed to be the ideal diva that they wanted me to be. And I was having such a hard time and the pressure was so much. And like, I don't know if they meant to put that pressure on me, but like every rehearsal was like, well, your dad did it like this. Well, your dad did it like this. And I'm, and I love that. And I look up to dad, like, and God, if I can move like him, that's great. But I think moving forward with me in the wrestling industry today and everything I've learned from FCW, I am going to do this my way. I am going to do this for me. I am going to have fun with this. And I kind of have to put dad's legacy, your legacy to the side a little bit. That way I can flourish for me. And so I remember even then I I wasn't Latina enough, like for them because of dad was such an icon, you know, for the Latino community, which is amazing. But like, I have even like some kind of fucked up shit, like, oh, I'm not like, I don't feel proud I guess like I want to feel more proud that I'm Mexican, but I feel like I'm not good enough. Like I'm not Latina enough. I don't speak Spanish well enough. I don't do all this stuff well enough. So there's a lot of hard stuff. I hope dad's proud of me, but like- I know he is. I know he is. You know, dad went through his own struggles too. And I think that, I think the most important lesson that he would probably tell us today is that you learned your own identity and you learned what you're capable of and what your talents are and that was something that he had to learn too and even from his family and other you know critics like people were always you know telling him we should do it this way or that way and dad did learn this is my way and this is how i'm going to do my character in the show or this is how i'm going to run my career and i think that was so important and and when i started seeing you identify yourself and saying you know this is just because WWE said that I'm not worthy enough or I'm not good enough, you still, you fought through some battles, you know, um, we'll touch on that a little bit, but you, you fought through your battles, but in the, at the same time, you were learning who you were and what you were about. And that's something that I'm so proud of because a lot of people don't get to know what, what that person is about or, or what they're made of or what makes them tick or what makes them happy or what makes them you know, be, have that drive for the day. And that's something that you really focused on was you. Thanks mom. Yeah. It's been a, it's been a journey. Cause like I was with WWE in total, like three years, I was at FCW for two years and which was great. Learned a lot kind of thing. I went back to the performance center after I went to rehab for an eating disorder for a while. And Um, When I came back to the Performance Center, uh, which was an amazing experience, oh my God, like that place is unreal. Um, But like, I, like my body just wasn't, I don't know if like I was still putting so much pressure on myself, especially with like the new improved NXT, like just high stakes kind of thing. And so I was like, I don't know what it was. And also like the environment there was really hard for me to adjust to. There's a certain how do I want to say this? I guess there's just um, a lot of innuendo and things that aren't said that put a lot, but they're, but they are said in a way. And there's just so much pressure. It's hard to have a flourishing learning environment sometimes. And so I just wasn't doing that well in the ring. I wasn't, or I thought I was, but I kept having a lot of neck issues, a lot of pain. Like Matt was 
really, really worried about me. And I decided, um, I was like, listen, I'm going to talk to them about being um, like more of a mic talent because they've always said, you're amazing on the mic. You're one of the best promos here. Like, let's put you in commentary. Let's get you. I've always managed. I've managed a lot of guys on the roster and, um, and it always was really fun. And then they were like, yeah, you don't have to worry about anything. Like rest your neck. Like we're going to get you like to be more of a mic talent. And then the next week they let me go. And so it was just like, and, oh my and, God. You know, so that was hard because that was during a SummerSlam weekend when I was on the road mm-hmm. and we were in LA and, um, gosh, that, that was just so many things, you know, for me, you know, I was, I was your mom, but I was on the road with WWE. You were, you know, at the school and there was so much pressure to make sure that you were always okay because I heard that how rough it was over there. The training was ridiculous of how they, they pushed the students there every day. It, it was like nonstop. And to hear all these stories come out of the school of how the training was ridiculous and, and the verbal abuse was going on. And I'm sitting here as a superstar, as a mom, thinking, what the hell is my kid going through over there? Because you weren't opening up to me. You kept everything pretty quiet, you know, and, and you were trying to just get your shit done and focus on you. And they had, I, you were working like six days a week over there with shows and everything going on. And maybe a Sunday off, you know, where you were able to, you know, do what yeah, you had yeah. to do, but it was, it was um, really stressful for me. And I don't think I was enjoying the road that much because I was so worried about what was going on at the school. Oh, I didn't. Like, I always knew you were worried about me because you always worried about us and because you're a mom, you know what I mean? You're a mama bear. And like, and I think I didn't open up to you a lot because I think there was this mentality, if if you can't handle it, you're not tough enough or you're being weak or, and whatnot. And I feel like us Guerreros have a mentality about that. Like, um, maybe not in our family now, because like, we're, we're very gentle and loving with each other now, but like- Growing up with dad, there was that mentality of like, if you can't hack it, like you're too weak. And it's just, so I always had that in my head and it was reinforced by this old school mentality, wrestler mentality. And I was just having a hard time, man. And so, and then when they let me go, honestly, I like swore off all performing. I thought I wasn't good enough. Like I, like that was the dream was to be a professional wrestler and to like, do mania to do everything and and I just I swore it off honestly like I enrolled in vet tech school like that week I enrolled because I was like I can't just sit with this feeling of not being good enough so you need to throw yourself into something really rigorous which was a veterinary nursing program I don't even know but like I was like what makes me happy kitties I don't know just (laughs) let's do something and you loved animals so much when you were young I mean we we had a rabbit, which you and your friend killed one ah. afternoon. <laughs> we brought that up right now. Yeah, we didn't mean to kill it. Yeah, well, you're tossing it back and forth on the floor. What, what did we name? Was it Thumper? It was Thumper. Oh, my God. Rest in peace. Yeah. We were sliding him. We weren't throwing him. Like, we thought we were having fun. Yeah. And, oh, my God. It, oh, yeah. I believe me. That story haunts me. And I never told it to any vet tech because I was like, they're going to think <laughs> the worst. <laughs> well, we, see, we had an iguana named Joanna from that one movie. Yeah, the, I mean, I remember the iguana like being on top of the curtain rods and just looking down at us and being in the bathtub taking their, you I know, love their shower. 
Yeah. And then, of course, all the dogs that we had. And, and Vato. Hamsters. Yeah. Yep. And the, the hamsters. Turtles. Yeah. So <laughs> I could see where you love vet tech school. And you're really good at it, Shaw. I mean, you. I, I was hoping. Yeah. I, I mean. Yeah. I mean, you were really good, you know, but I know there's a lot of sensitive stuff because of how emotional it was with surgeries and everything. And only you had to be happy with that to go through. Because I was like, oh, yeah, be vet tech. Yeah get you know cure all the animals but then the schooling was like something else <laughs> it oh, was really hard like you know what like vet techs do not get paid enough because they like handle a lot of stuff and like veterinarians are amazing I was just like oh my god it was really a really cool experience because um I mean I got to intern at zoos I got to work with like um sea creatures I got to work with you know um large animal which was amazing I loved working with horses and with cattle which was really cool but um, yeah, there was just, it, it was emotionally taxing because when you're working in like a run of the mill veterinary office, it's, a, it's like ear cleaning euthanasia, ear cleaning euthanasia, ear cleaning euthanasia. And so it was just, it just wasn't for me. And then there was this, there's this hole in me that's like, I miss performing, but I didn't feel good enough. And so I was struggling with that a lot. And then I auditioned spur of the moment for this, um, dance company called Drip in Orlando, Florida, which was, it's not around, not around anymore. It was managed very poorly, yeah. but the show was so cool because we got to dance in paint, water, and sand. I gave everything in that audition. I got hired and eventually I became a principal dancer for them. And I, the bug bit me. I was doing that at the same time as vet tech school. Yeah. And, uh, I'm trying to remember like what happened. Uh, like I just kept getting more shows. I kept like, I got um, accepted in a stunt show, um, in a pirate stunt show. And I was like, what? And uh, they I had remember me that. Yeah, it was so cool. And I finally was just like, this is, I'm so much happier here and like performing. And I know it's a harder way of life and not stable at all, but I love it. I love it. I can't not perform. So, Shaw, let's just go back a little bit. Uh, when you yeah. talk about your eating disorder, let's let's explain to the fans because there's a lot of women out there that I talk to on my social media. We're all going through issues of of how our body looks, how our um, how we're portrayed to the public eye. Um, and I just did a photo shoot with AEW, and I am having a really hard time looking at those photos because. I'm I, me, you know, and, and this is, I think the photographer, you know, I have to talk to him you know, to do some retouches, but I'm, I'm human and everyone needs to realize that everyone needs to be human. Yeah. That's the most important thing that we're not perfect. We're not going to have the silky skin. We're not going to have, you know, I'm always going to have the crow's feet. I am 52, but I do love me. I love my heart. I love where I'm at today. Um, and so, so many women reach out to me because they're like, gosh, you know, I just, I want to, I want to feel happy. I want to do this and that. And through your rehab, I really didn't get to know you that well until after I started taking those family classes with you and the therapy sessions of so much that was going on with you just from the, of what you wanted your body to look like. Um, can you share a little bit of that? So other women can know that there is help. There is there is a process that you went through to find your peace within you. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, so I want to be clear, first of all, like no organization was responsible for my eating disorder. WWE was not responsible for it. Was it the best environment for me? 
No. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but my eating disorder started when I was very young. And looking back on that, that was really hard to kind of dive into. There's this era in our family where I, I call it the era of the Lando Lakes era, when we were in that big house and you and dad were at the height of really just, it wasn't a healthy relationship. Like you guys were having the hardest time. And I felt like I was trying to keep us as a family together. I don't know if you remember, like I would make like posters, like, look at us, we're together. And like, try to take care of Sherilyn for me. I would take care of Sherilyn, but like, I would have a lot of bad memories in that house. And I, when looking back on when my unhealthy relationship started with food, it was when I was that age, I would take the pound cakes you would make, um, the Sarah Lee pound cakes. I would take it in my closet and I would eat it to try and deal with the emotions of what was happening in our house. And right. I was looking back on that, I was like, oh, that wasn't healthy. And like, I would eat a lot. I would eat a lot. And then- We all did. I think we all did we in did. our own way. Yeah. Foods with food. And then I also remember like, I don't know, just like with media, I was just like, I'm not thin enough. I'm not thin enough. And like watching- the divas also, I was like, oh, I'm not beautiful. Oh, I'm not skinny. Oh, I'm not, that was never something I could do, but I always wanted to do that. And so I remember being a child and being like, you know what, you should do some push-ups or you should do some sit-ups. Like you should, you should move around more and try and get skinny. But then I was also like binging too. So that happened when I was around like 10 and it kind of dissipated a little bit when our family kind of got better. But then when I went back into, I think it started in dance in college, like the dancer body, you know, you want to be thin, you got to make sure, you know, you look a certain way and whatnot. And I just remember it was always binging a lot of food and then starving myself for days at a time. So starving, binging, starving, binging. And when I went into um, FCW, I think all the pressure and being close to wrestling, I loved it because it connects me to dad. It connects me. They're a second family. Um, but then there was this pressure of, of I need to be as good as my family. And I'm not skinny enough. I'm not pretty enough. What am I doing here? Like major imposter syndrome happening. And so every day it was just starving myself all throughout practice. I wondered why I wasn't improving as a wrestler because I had zero energy. We were going through crazy drills, which, which are just, it's just part of the wrestling training. Like you got to drill, you have to drill, you have to be in optimum shape. But I think we were also in an era where it was a little unhealthy how much we were drilling and whatnot. Like, and then, and then I would go home and binge all night. And so it was awful, but yeah. to get better when I finally went into rehab, which I will forever thank WWE for paying for my rehab because Joey Mercury saw I was not okay. He was like, kid, you're not, you're not doing okay. Like we're, we need to get you help. And so finally like him and Rob, who we used to work out with, um, oh, yeah. saw I wasn't doing okay. And so went into rehab and there throughout rehab, even today, I have to understand I can't, for me personally, everyone's recovery is going to be different. I can't have goals as far as like physical goals. Like I, I can't decide I'll be happy when I have a six pack. I'll be happy when I lose 10 pounds. I can't do that. I have to love my body where it is right now and accept it for where it is right now. And I fluctuated like pandemic was really hard for me because I gained weight 
I'm sure a lot of us did because yeah. we're at home, we're stressed out. We don't know how to pay the That's bills. Yeah. yeah, it's awful. And so it's, it's been hard. I still struggle. I still struggle with it, but it's, um, it's a lot better now. And so it's just accepting where you are, which is already a huge mountain. I'm not saying it's easy, you know, but, um, and we need more representation in wrestling, which uh, that's why I love AEW because the representation of, of people throughout the company and of women and of different bodies. When I walked into the AEW locker room, I was like, oh my God, oh my God. Like there are people of all shapes and sizes and it isn't a model central, which is like, I, I knew, I know some models that became great wrestlers and that's amazing, but like it just very different locker room yeah. and the love it and acceptance there is huge. It's a beautiful palette when you look at the roster. Like there's um there's a zombie and you know there's the you know the nightmare sisters and then you know you, you have like you have Sunny and you have Nyla Rose and you have this diversity that's just like so amazing. You walk in and you're just like I'm part of this palette that's making a voice for every woman out there. And no. I think that's so empowering. We need so much more of that, not only in wrestling. And it's like, we need it across all boards. We need, yeah. like Victoria's Secret needs to get their shit together. Like we need women of all shapes, yeah. sizes, color. And we, um, and we need more people on the LGBTQIA, uh, um, I'm sorry, QI spectrum. We need, we need all yeah. that. Um, I apologize if I didn't get the whole thing right, but um, we, we just need more representation across all boards, um, especially in TV and whatnot as well. So I loved, and I'm forever proud of you, that you did a photo shoot as you were, like <laughs> with your beach photo shoot. Like I thought you looked hot, but I understand where you're coming from, where it's hard to just be you, especially in a revealing, you know, bikini. And so it's, it's so hard, it's, it's <laughs> hard, but that's because I think we need more people being real out there yeah. and, and understanding I don't have to fit this one mold that someone along the line decided, oh, that's the one hot thing we want to see. Yeah. Bullshit. So. yeah that's, that's so empowering, um, you know, because I learned so much from you going through that rehab, not only from the wrestling point of view, but the family dynamics that we all had within our household. Um, you know, because I always thought that I needed to be the skinny wife, you know, to be with dad, you know, backstage. And you know how that is with all the wives and the kids. There's a lot of pressure, you know, and, um, and, and dad wanted me a certain mold too, because that's all we knew was this is what this wife looks like. And this is what, you know, I know he loved me very much. I know, I know that he was my number one fan, you know, when he looked at me, but there was so much, um, so much shit that went behind the WrestleMania parties and the get togethers and behind the scenes that it was, it was pretty hard. And I was so caught up in my stuff that I wasn't paying attention to you and Sherilyn with those issues that y'all were going through, you know, fitting in with the kids and being fitting in with the female dynamics of what, you know, these women are supposed to look like. And so I learned a lot from your rehab. Now, if there's, a, if there's a woman or a girl out there that's listening to this, what would be something that you would tell, tell them today, this one, maybe one piece of advice that they could start in, in helping themselves accept themselves for who they are for today? So what I tell um, my dance classes when I'm teaching 
is that you are everything you need to be right now. You don't need to be any skinnier, any better at whatever activity you think you need to be. You, you don't need anything but yourself right now. Like you are exactly where and who and what you need to be right now. And you showing up for your life right now is all you need to do. Just show up for your life. And yes. it's so hard because I feel like, you know, in America, we have this huge, like, we have this like, go, go, go and achieve, achieve, achieve. And which is great. Achieve your goals, work toward it. But it's also like, love yourself and feel okay being content in the stillness of you. I hope that makes sense. I hope that wasn't yeah. too like, woo woo, but like, it's no, all- no. Yeah. It's very good. Yeah. You should be, you have to learn to be quiet with yourself and just be quiet and be okay with that. And just know like you, like you showing up right now and you, you listening to a podcast, you going to a, a class or showing up at the gym or sitting in your PJs, having some alone time with yourself is everything you need to do right now. And just one minute at a time, if you're really, really struggling. And also for men too, we men have, there's a lot of toxicity around what men need to be and how masculine you need to be. Don't show your emotion. And also with eating disorders as well. So it's like, you are what you need to be right now. Try every day to be a better version of you in a healthy way, but you can be happy right now. Not when you lose 10 pounds or not when you become the next champion or whatever that's, that's, in, that's incredible babe I'm, I'm so proud of you for that I'm um, trying it's hard to <laughs> but it's harder to do so <laughs> let's talk <laughs> Wow, we're going to stop it here. What a conversation. Uh, we feel like we're a fly on the wall for maybe just the most fascinating life stories that you could possibly ask for. Shaw Guerrero holding nothing back. Uh, and why should she? She's talking to her own mom, who's also lived it, been there with her. And we're just getting started. Next week is part two, and you won't believe the types of things that they talk about, the things that they get into next week. So make sure you check us out again. Please subscribe. We're on all of your uh, favorite podcast platforms. And of course, you can email us at excusemevicky at outlook.com. Find us on all the major social media outlets as well. Follow us and share. Let the world know. Let your friends and family know that we are here because we are doing big things here on Excuse Me, and we want you to be a part of it. For Vicki Guerrero, I am Jerry Strauss. We'll see you next week. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for another episode of the Excuse Me podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Spreaker, or your favorite podcast platform. Check out our official Facebook page at facebook.com slash excuse me Vicky or follow me on Twitter and Instagram and email us at excuse me Vicky at outlook.com with questions or comments. Until next time, excuse me!